Hey, hey, gritty girls, we're back and ready to dish more of that good grit in season two, starting June 29th, so mark your calendars. But before then, we're dropping a very special episode on the importance of raising gritty girls. And that's happening right now. Iron Man, Papa, Marine, Sky Train Steve, a man who goes by many names, some he's earned as sort of a badge of honor, and then there's the one name that two very gritty girls and one pretty gritty man call him that blows all those impressive nicknames and descriptors right out of the water. That name? Dad. Happy Father's Day, Major. This conversation is dedicated to all the men out there who fight the good fight for gender equality and understand the importance and responsibility inherent in being an incredible girl dad. Hey, Jelly Pie. Hi, Pops. Happy Father's Day. Um, although this is, we are recording this earlier in the week, Father's Day week, but um, happy Father's Day nonetheless to the best dad I know. The only dad you really know. The only dad I really know. Um, so happy Father's Day, dad, to the only dad. Well, you know. Thank you, Jilly Pie. Yeah. So uh, what brings us on uh, Zoom? So, uh, yes, and to point out, my dad did just download Zoom on his phone. How do you like it so far, Dad? So far, so good. It's kind of like FaceTime. Exactly like it, but a lot different. <laughs> exactly like it, but a lot different. So, you know, as I was, as I was curating a list of questions, I realized I'm like, actually, some of these... I, I actually have probably never asked you, and maybe I don't actually know. <laughs> so this will be fun. This will be fun. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I, let's just dive right in. Tell us, tell us um, you know, a little bit about your childhood and your young life and, you know, how you got to where you are now with, with should I say, how many grandchildren? <laughs> Is it 15 by now? I don't know. Maybe 13, something like that. <laughs> 13, 13 right now, but but first off, uh, when I was a child, that was a long, long time ago. So uh, how, how long know, ago though? Like, let's put that in perspective. How old are you, Dad? Well, I'll be sixty here in a couple months. Oh, see, so you're you're fifty nine years young with thirteen grandkids. So yes, let's indeed. Give, let's give people context to how that's even possible. And, <laughs> and three kids: two girls and one boy. That's right. Yep. And one one beautiful wife. Ah, yes. Perfect. That's so true. Very accurate. So yeah, so tell us tell us about your, you know, 59 years. You know, give the people some context of how a girl dad like yourself and and a dad of one son <laughs> uh, came to have 13 grandkids when he's only 59. How's that even possible? Let's hear about your let's hear about your life. Sometimes I wonder about that too. <laughs> But I grew up, I was born and grew up in Southern California and uh, had a tumultuous childhood. Uh, my parents uh, were divorced at a fairly early age. So uh, 
Um, you know, going through school, wasn't a great student, uh, you know, because I think I was just uh, preoccupied with other things. And so I didn't uh, put any effort into it. Um, couldn't wait to, to get older and uh, move on with, with my life. So uh, at age 17, I, I joined uh, the United States Marine Corps and uh, just wanting to leave my situation and do something different. Nice, nice. And so, so you said your parents were divorced when you were really young. How young were you? Like, do you remember your dad? Yeah, I do. Uh, it was, uh, I was probably 10 or 11 years old, oh. I think. So I was fairly young, uh, you know, and didn't see him much after that. So, yeah. Hmm. So do you, do you remember anything about him at all? Or what do you remember yeah. most, I guess? So, you know, my uh, my dad and my grandfather and my uncle, they were all uh, house painters, uh, you know, contractors and, and such. And I used to do some of that during the summer months for my grandfather. But uh, that was their, their trade. It wasn't something I was really interested in doing for, for my entire life. But uh, it was good money when you were young and uh, t- trying to make a few extra dollars. I think I remember you telling me some cool people's homes that you got to paint because you lived in SoCal. Yeah. Who, uh, what were some of those people's places? <laughs> like, give us some names, Dad. Do a little name dropping. Well, uh, Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched, her house. Um, Louis L'Amour, the, uh, the author, the Western uh, writer-author, his house. I, I remember him talking to my grandfather and says, you're kind of starting them young, aren't you, Lou? And he goes, "Yep, this is my grandson, Steve." And but uh, and then uh, the Jackson Five's house, actually. So back when they were all together and younger, um, the, the Jackson Five. Wow, wow, that's dad. That's kind of wild. Like, ha- okay, actually, let's just. I just want to like ask you one more thing about this because it's so interesting to me <laughs> but how old were they do you like how old do you think michael and janet were like when you were i guess you're probably you know, around the same age maybe i don't remember seeing them they were probably out of the house when we were painting who knows they might have been out singing or out on tour or something but they were pretty young uh they were probably my age probably young uh teenagers or so give or take I, it's hard to remember all the how old exactly that was, but those are a few of the highlights I remember. Yeah, so my grandfather was a painting contractor, and he painted houses all throughout the San Fernando Valley, uh, Beverly Hills, Encino area, and, and other areas. So uh, we, you know, I got quite, uh, you know, quite the experience there with yeah. him and, and doing first doing you know menial work, uh, and then kind of worked my way up and was able to to do uh, some of the more fun stuff, you know, the actual painting itself. Yeah, over that, does time. Sound, that does sound kind of cool. That sounds like but, a But, you know, you start off by cleaning, br- cleaning brushes and picking up and just being a gopher putting in, when you're like, young. Putting in your, uh, you know, putting in your dues, as they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you, you know, but, uh, but when you're a teenager, uh, it was pretty good money at the time, uh, good part-time uh, money. Yeah. For sure. So, okay. So, okay. Going back to when you were 17, you joined the Marine Corps. Is that, is that what you wanted to be your whole life? Did you want to go in the Marine Corps your whole life? Or what do you remember as a kid wanting to be when you grew up? You know, I wanted to do something else. I probably wanted out of the area I was living. 
and uh, wanted kind of an adventure. So I, uh, I, I went to uh, an Air Force recruiter office, and, uh, and there was a note on the door saying that they were out to lunch, and they'd be back in, you know, 45 minutes or something. And uh, next door was a Marine recruiter, and this rough, gruff gunnery sergeant came out of his door and says, Hey, uh, yeah, he's out to lunch. Uh, come on in here. You can sit in here. He'll be back in a little while. All right. You know, I had this long hair down to my shoulders and, and <laughs> walked in. And and uh, I don't know. The rest was a blur. I just know the next morning I, I was uh, in San Diego on yellow footprints in, uh, you know, in boot camp. So in the Marine Corps. So it, it went by real quick. Yeah, exactly. Wait, <laughs> that's funny. It's funny how you know serendipitous things happen that kind of can almost almost or in this specific example actually change the whole trajectory of your life right Um, yeah in in my since i was under 18 uh you're supposed to have both your parents signatures and uh you know they didn't know where my dad was at the time so uh my mom signed but then uh he, he just looked at me this again this gunnery sergeant you know probably vietnam uh war vet and um and this was 1979. And he said, do you want to be a Marine? And I, yeah, 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 yeah. So he just signed my dad's name and off I went. Wow. So your whole career is a lie. <laughs> just kidding. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all 22 years worth in, in the service there. So I'm just kidding. That's, that's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure... That's that was something they would run into because that's somewhat of an archaic situation or or rule when you know what do you do when you can't find the other parent or maybe they're deceased or what have you like what sure. do you do so well it was it was under false pretenses so I probably could have gotten out of the service if I would have you know said something you know as I was being processed in like when you're in boot camp and it's just like super rough you're like my dad didn't sign you know <laughs> yeah who knows it probably could have been too late then i don't know but uh but i probably could have but you know i wanted to be a marine so it was fine speaking of uh, false pretenses i actually love this story but do you want to talk a little bit about uh or tell us the story of uh the LA police uh, department LAPD and kind of your story with that and how it didn't work out. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. I, uh, when I was young, I, you know, you're flip flopping from one thing to the next, you know, as a teenager, um, but that, I, think high it's, I think it's an incredible story and, of integrity and truth telling. And, and it tells, yeah. it tells a lot about the human that you are. And plus it's quite entertaining. So, so I think you should maybe fill us in on what happened well, when you were in the I, I don't academy. Know how, how or why I joined, I joined this, this police explorer group for teenagers. And so I got into it for, uh, for a little while, not very long, uh, until they, they started asking you these questions and, you know, you had to do physical fitness and everything. But in these questions, they asked these hypotheticals that, that just kind of messed with my mind a little bit. And they said, well, if you had one of your friends and, and they were, and they stole something from the store, candy bar, would, would you uh, report them? And, you know, and I, uh, you know, I, I think of my best friend and at the time, you know, I'm going, well, no, but I tell him, you know, that's wrong and he shouldn't do it. And, uh, I don't know if I said it exactly like that, but, uh, but yeah, so they didn't like that answer. They wanted me to, to, you know, to, to rat them out or report them. And I, I said no. And, and so, uh, 
that was the end of my ex- police explorer uh, time. I, I and that's a that's a great answer that you gave them because I feel like that's an actual honest answer when you're a teenager. Something you might say when you think of your best friend, but there is one other answer that or question and answer I guess I'm thinking of that I think is quite uh, uh, comical that. Uh, if you'd like to share, I think you should. <laughs> What's that? Uh, I retell it to my friends often, but it's the one-hit wonder. Okay, well you you go you go for it then. I <laughs> the way I remember the way I remember it is these questions were happening, and they I don't know if they hooked you up to a lie detector or what, but you you know they they placed a lot of importance on like truth telling and honesty and all the things, and you were just being your honest self when they asked, "Hey, have you ever smoked pot?" And you said, "Yeah, just once, but I'm I'm never doing it again in my life." And uh, they kicked you out of the academy because, or out of the explorers program as a teenager because uh, because of your one hit wonder situation. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that one too. So you know, I, I didn't do so well in my uh, my interview process between uh, not wanting to rat out a friend and the one hit wonder. And it was it was true. I was just kind of just you know being. Uh, really upfront and honest where I think as you get a little older and become an adult, you just kind of, uh, maybe, maybe you give them the answer they want to hear more. <laughs> yeah. You realize, ah, what's in my best interest here. Um, speaking of one hit wonder, so how- I, I was totally unfiltered. And that's good. I think that's, I mean, I think that's good. I think the times to the time, you know, that we live in now is different than back then. And, and maybe, uh, maybe some of the answers you gave back then weren't as, as well received as they might be today. Who knows? But, um, especially it was probably the way I was answering it as a teenager as well. You know, I mean, maybe a little flip about it. Maybe, you know, it's like, take it or leave it kind of, uh, kind of answer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can imagine a young teenage boy just like, eh, sure. You know, but, uh, speaking of one hit wonder and the times are changing, how do you feel about your daughter? That's me. IE, that's me people out there in the interwebs, uh, working in the cannabis industry in Arizona. How do you feel about that? Well, I think, you know, imagining you on the street corner selling uh, weed, I don't know. It's just kind of an odd uh, perception or, or, you know, odd picture in my mind there. Dad, that's uh, how rumors get started. (laughs) Uh, For everyone who's listening, I do not sell weed on the corner or otherwise. I work in an ancillary uh, uh, fintech software, a digital payment solution, um, piece of the cannabis industry so i am definitely not dealing with the green oh now you tell me (laughs) you know i was i was waiting for the free samples i'm sorry (laughs) no those will still come i I have those uh you know ready to go coming in hot maybe maybe for father's day you'll get like a little little care package i don't know i just remember when you told your uh your nana what you were doing all she all she could think of was that you were selling weed <laughs> so she wanted to know what shop you were working at so she could come and and uh and see you and i still don't think she realizes i don't work in a store i don't sell weed and i don't wear a uniform but she's really excited to see what my uniform looks like one day so well just the fact that you brought up weed or cannabis i think that that's all she had to hear so yeah. you, 
You're, you're a weed dealer. Okay. I, I, you know what? And and so it is. And now we're we're uh, perpetuating the rumor. So I guess here we are. <laughs> um. So like, kind of going back since you know, I guess ten or eleven. Your uh, not just your father figure, but your actual father kind of disappeared from the picture. Did you have like a? a whether it be a male role model or another mentor in your life as a young, you know, teenager into young adulthood that really you kind of looked up to as far as like what that looks like to be a man, like what, you know, kind of an exemplary, uh, human might be, or did you even think of that? Were you just a kid? Like, you know what, I'm just trying to get out of here and and whatever that is, um, and and keep in mind that could be a best friend, could be a, a mentor of sorts. You know, sometimes they keep us in line. You know, sure. You know, I think it's a combination of, of things. Uh, first off, you're a kid, and you're not you don't think about about those things. I mean, they're, you're just thinking about getting through the next day and the next year and the next grade level. And uh, yeah, you run across whether it be an uncle or or maybe a, a neighbor next door or grandfather. Uh, who uh, who picks up that role at times, maybe not always, but, you know, and maybe not like you might think of as a day-to-day mentor, but somebody who you, you look up to that, you know, that you uh, admire and, and maybe that you get some, that you take some things away from them, uh, some good, some bad, and uh, you you take the, the good and you try to leave the bad. Is there anyone that comes to mind, um, even if for a brief time in history, maybe like a, like a, you know, an officer of sorts or, you know, someone in your high school, anyone that comes to mind that, that you felt like actually did, you know, kind of give you the extra time or, um, you know, kind of help mold you at all? Well, in high school, I would say it was my, my high school cross country and track coach, you know, kind of a father figure, uh, authoritative, authority, authoritative type figure, and uh, somebody that you looked up to and and you listened to, and and uh, he, he, you know, was very structured, and and uh, you know, we would work out and work hard and and uh, do well in our cross country and, and track meets with his direction. That's cool. Yeah, I feel like coaches always take on that role, right? Because it's like with any sport, it's kind of like you're being taught as a young kid, you're being taught discipline, you're being taught, you know, pushing through hard times because physically or otherwise, like you need to learn how to like push through those things, I guess, right? And I I think coaches always have that that leg up and or at least they have a very important responsibility to kind of be a a good guidance, like be good guidance to the kids they're coaching because they're not just teaching them a you know a, a sports skill. They're typically teaching you life skills all at the same time, right? Um, sure. I don't think you quite realize it when you're that young all the time. Realize exactly what's happening. I think when you look back after several years, you kind of recognize uh, then what what uh, was going on back then. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I agree. But, yeah, I, I would say my high school coach would be a good uh, example of uh, somebody you look up to. But it wasn't like we had a had any kind of other type of relationship. I mean, but, you know, you could go to him. or But, but he, would, he was that constant figure that was always there, very consistent, and uh, was around in your life for, you know, three years yeah. in high school, which are the very formulative years of yeah. your, your childhood. 
I'd say. Um, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Do you, you want to give a quick shout out? Do you remember his name? Coach Balzaret. 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 Yeah. All right. Don't shout ask me out, to spell it. But shout out to Coach Balzaret if you're um, if you're still with us. Uh, thank you for being a great coach and, and mentor to Dad because uh, you know we all need those. Absolutely. Um. So actually, I kind of want to stay on the because you, you're talking about cross country and track. You're a runner, Dad. You did marathons. You, um, you know, you you ran in the valley for your high school. But then, you know, as you as you you know went through life, you also became a you know you were always a triathlete. But then you became an Ironman. So like, and that's a huge accomplishment. Even though you swam in the nasty Tempe Town Lake, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> It's fine. It's just man-made, and people don't typically swim in it. But a lot, lot of algae. A lot of algae, uh, quote-unquote algae. So, but I want to kind of go back because I remember you telling me. I don't know. I don't remember if this is true or not because sometimes you, I think sometimes you tell tall tales, which I don't hate because I find that I do that wow. a lot. But I remember you telling me one time that. Um, you raced in one of your meets in high school, you raced Tony Robbins and you kicked his ass. Is that true? I don't remember that. If I do, I don't remember. Well, I said, how'd you do dad? You said, I kicked his ass. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's the same one, but if it uh, was, I kicked his ass. (laughs) So somewhere out there, there is someone at least named Tony Robbins that my dad swept in a, in a marathon or a meet of some sort and kicked his ass. Yeah, I was a pretty good runner when I was a teenager and young adult. And it, it served me well, even too, the endurance and everything when I, once I joined the Marine Corps. Yeah, it's wild. Um, yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of those endurance sports for sure. Like, and, it, and it challenges you mentally, physically, all the things. So it's wild. Absolutely. So, so let's kind of dive into, uh, well, actually, I want to ask, because now we're kind of getting into your young adult life. Okay. Um, how did you meet mom, my mother, your Great wife? Great question. <laughs> so uh, uh, Kathy, Kathleen, she is three and a half years older than me. Ooh. And I met her when I was in high school. And she was actually my boss. And so nothing's changed. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I met her at uh, Swenson's Ice Cream. She was my she was my manager at Swenson's Ice Cream, and so I got hired to serve uh, ice cream cones and scoops and and also uh, making ice cream in the back room there, where there'd be this big window and people could watch you make the ice cream. So it was wow. pretty cool when you're a, cool. a teenager. Yeah, that is really cool. Swenson's. There's not a lot of them around. It's like a very old school. Uh, uh, like ice cream soda pop shop, right? Yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool. And they had a bunch of flavors and we'd come up with a different flavor of the week all the time. And uh, so it was pretty cool. Um, it was fun. It was fun to make the ice cream. Yeah. And and mom being your boss, your manager or whatnot, uh, did you guys like not tell people that you were dating or you started to date or something? No. No, we didn't keep it a secret, but oh. uh, 
Um, but your mom, uh, you know, um, obviously we're, we were both really young. Your mom was going to junior college. I was in high school. Um, she had uh, blonde hair and she had this, uh, this really souped up, uh, firebird, uh, car. So it was a really cool sports car at the time. So you're like, yeah, I'm going to date that chick. She's cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll have a sweet ride in the process. That's pretty cool. Um, so, and so speaking of Swenson's, was that your first job? Like your, your first legit job or was that something else? First legit job. Yeah. So, uh, I think my first legit job was uh, a paper boy. Ah. So I delivered, uh, well, back maybe for your audience, uh, back when the news was delivered by kids on bikes uh, th- with a newspaper uh, as, instead of uh, internet. So I'd have, you know, a, um, a couple hundred uh, papers folded up with the rubber band around it, a plastic bag when it rained, and I'd have to get up at uh, four in the morning and, and deliver. Uh, those uh, newspapers to to the specific homes and so uh, whether it was uh, cold the uh, rain or well there wasn't much snow in the uh, San Fernando Valley in Southern <laughs> California but but it's still uh, it, you know it was you know you had to you had to rough it between the the angry dogs that would try to attack you that early in the morning on your bike uh, and uh, and deliver all those papers yeah well who before so school but dang, who prompted you to do that? Was that on your own accord? You wanted to make a little money or like were your, did your parents push you to do that? What kind of motivated you to be a paper boy? How old were you? Like, you know, I, I think drive and also you want a little bit of independence. So if you get a little bit of spending money, it's nice to have a little money when you're 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, during, I think, you know, I had that same mentality and that drive uh, uh, and initiative when I was that age. I don't think it, I don't think it comes naturally to everyone. You know, I think maybe I got it from you because you were probably like that. And then I, you know, I started a lawn mowing business, you know, and a a car wash business all just so I could throw parties for friends. Selling lemonade. Yeah. You you do all sorts of things. Entrepreneurial chill. Yeah. But like, I, I see, like, I see my, my nieces and nephews and they are all amazing in their own right. But it's just like a, and maybe it's a, a difference of the times of the, you know, of, of, uh, the, the era that we live in of sorts. But I, it's like, doesn't seem like kids these days. I, I hate saying kids these days because it makes me feel like and sound like I'm very old, but, uh, <laughs> I feel like kids don't necessarily, uh, kind of, you know, gravitate towards hard work, if you will. Does that sound bad? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm, I'm making a general uh, sweeping statement, but, um, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's wild. The thing like hearing you waking up at four when you were 12, 13 to do that. And then knowing like what I went through to like start these little side businesses, you know, it's just, it's crazy to think like you, you did, you put in a lot of work, you know, to, when you're just a, when you're just a kid on your own initiative and accord. I, I think it depends on the the kid, on your circumstances, on your background, on your parents' um, background and affluency, um, and also you know it was a different. Uh, it was a little bit of a different world back then uh, to a certain mm-hmm. extent. There was no internet at the time, right? So uh, you know it was it was a little different, but 
you know, and it was pretty common back then for um, young teenagers to that had a bike, which most of us did, to uh, deliver newspapers. Mm. Oh, I see. So yeah, definitely. It's a thing that people did. I, I remember when I, when I started out in my little endeavors, I, I think I got, you encouraged me most and I got most excited, uh, uh, to build out the little accoutrements of the business, like, Ooh, business cards, you know, like that got me so excited <laughs> at a young age to like, Oh, I'm really going to do this because I have really cool business cards. So I, I, I forget what it was called. Like the, you bought like a software at Costco called like Encarta or something. Was it Encarta or is that something else? I don't remember, but I, I don't remember the name of it, but I do remember having like the, uh, business card stock and we print them, print them out. Yeah, that was, that was wild. That was another time. Um, that, so that's cool. So that was your first job and like really self-motivated at a young age. Um, so, okay. So fast forward again. So you met mom, you both were really young. You, I think you were 16 when you did that job or something, 15, 16. Yeah. And then, and then 17, you joined the Marine Corps. You're still with mom. You're not married though yet. Right. Um, And, and then, but then you move to San Diego. Does mom go with you? How does that work? Well, when you go to boot camp, uh, San Diego, you, um, you don't get to bring, uh, your girlfriend or uh, even a wife. We weren't but, married yet. But you did we move did there move. after boot camp, right? Or did you? Yeah. So we moved all over the, all over the globe, really. I mean, mostly East coast and West coast, but and then there were a lot of deployments that I would go to from there. Um, but uh, so we, we did move around quite a bit. Um, but we, we were in uh, Orange County there for a while. Um, we lived in San Diego for a little while, the East Coast, North Carolina, Virginia, Japan, Japan. Okinawa. Um, what, so now, like, moving into your, your dad years, becoming a dad... Um, the first child you had was a girl. Her name yes. is Jessica. That is my sister, my older, yes. my older sister. She's the best. I love her. Um, how did, in what ways did becoming a dad change you at such a, a young, young age? Cause how old were you dad? I was, uh, 18 when we had Jessica. So now the math makes sense, how you can have 13 grandkids when you're the young, ripe age of 59. So you were 18 when you had Jess, and you had her in, in somewhere in California. I, I know that. Um, and in what ways did, did becoming a dad, not only a dad, but also to a little girl, how did that change how you maybe operated day to day? Well, you know, you're a proud papa. And you're you're um, newly married, and you're working hard in, in the Marine Corps, doing what the, the Marine Corps tells you what to do because you're so young and uh, you're you're so inexperienced, and uh, you know you're you're just working your way up the ranks. So, you know you're you're busy living life, and uh, you know you're proud to have uh, have a, a girl um, that's got all the fingers and toes and healthy and. And uh, is doing well. Yeah, I, I remember uh, mom telling a story when I was younger about how you used to drive a little more 
uh, crazy. And then once Jess was born, all of a sudden you were the safest, slowest driver there was. <laughs> like, I imagine little things like that changed. I think so. Uh, you become a little more responsible and you just uh, start, you know, driving uh, the speed limit and, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, you're, uh, you're a lot more careful. Yeah. I think that's pretty normal as you grow up and, and you start ha- having a family and kids. Were you, were you nervous before you became a father? Were you, were you scared? Were you excited? Were you like, what were you feeling when you were like, ah, yes, yes. I guess you're <laughs> nervous and scared and excited. That's awesome. Sure. Um, sure. So, uh, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of money back then. And so, uh, I remember, um, mom's, uh, water broke. And so it was time to go to the hospital to take, uh, Je- you know, get just Jessica born. And, uh, and we go out to the car and it wouldn't start. Oh no. And I had a stick shift. So, um, so I, we had to push start the car to get to the hospital. Oh my gosh. Right. So was mom so freaking mom, out? Was mom she- didn't know. Mom didn't know how to pop the clutch, you know, in the car. So she had to be in the back to help push. And here we are on the way to the hospital. And I'm, and I'm getting out, pushing uh, from the door, and then she's in the back helping as best she could, you know. And, of course, you know, oh, a lot my of God. the whole works. Oh, and then we get the car up to a certain speed, and I jump in and pop the clutch, and it started. And so she got in the car, and we drove to the hospital. And uh, we had Jessica. And, and that's how Jess was born. It makes a lot of so, sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So now, now you know. That's wild. That's the so rest crazy. of the story. That's so, so right? crazy. Um, wow. So then, okay. So now you have this daughter. Um, and then a couple years later, you have a son. Yeah. So Greg was born a, a couple of years later. Um, so that was, that was wonderful as well. So we, uh, were well on our way for, with a family. A couple of years later, I had, a. um, Kept charging the Marine Corps, uh, you know, and obviously I had re-enlisted a number of times uh, because I served a total of 22 years. But, uh, you know, so I, we, we kept on, kept on. Things were going well, and uh, we were having fun and uh, uh, moving around from place to place. Yeah, and uh, across country, back and forth and all the things. Uh, did you, did you and mom, especially after having Greg, Greg is the boy, the middle child. Cause I'm clearly the baby after having Greg, did you and mom ever have like conversations about raising us kids or how you would do it? Or specifically like the girl that, you know, Jess versus the boy, um, or were y'all just winging it? Cause you were both so young and yeah. seeing how it went. Well, you know, there's, I, I think when you're 18, 19, 20, you, you don't really, uh, you, you, you don't really know. You're not strategizing. You're just kind on, of on figuring how it out. to uh, raise a family, but you, I think you, you dive, uh, you know, head into it and you do the best you can and you learn along the way. So, you know, yeah. you got to learn a few lessons there with Jessica and Greg. And then we had you a few years later while we were in North Carolina, North Carolina. So my whole family is born and and somewhat mostly raised in California, SoCal. And then they have this outlier 
1985 in uh, North Carolina. And uh, yeah, that, that was interesting because then nine days later, I get on my first flight of my life and we move back to SoCal, right? So, so, so well, just for like a year, really, uh, because so dad, let's, let's tell the people where was my dad? Where was my dad the first year of my life? <laughs> well, first off, when you were born in, uh, while we were in North Carolina, uh, you were born the hurricane baby because you were born during a hurricane. Um, yeah. Ask your mom what hurricane that was. It was Gloria. Okay. Uh, for all so the we people, named you, we should have named you Gloria. No, I'm grateful you didn't, didn't want to. <laughs> for any Glorias out there, I think it's a lovely name, but it just wasn't fitting for me. So I'm grateful yeah. that I was named oh, Jillian. Oh, I see. Uh, I was still, yeah. So, but no, I, for everyone listening, also just a little, a little fun fact, a little trivia. I was born during or in the eye of a hurricane, Hurricane Gloria, 1985, uh, in the, what is it called? The, the door, what's that called? The doorway, door jam, what is that called? Like, you know, when you have to go under there because the eye of the hurricane's there. Anyways. I got nothing, girl. <laughs> um, and and uh, also that day in history was a full moon with 100% visibility. Uh, well, that's that's good to know. But all, what I remember is is that I I was a air traffic controller at the time, and obviously during hurricane winds you're not controlling any air traffic because there, planes have left the, the the base for the most part, either that or they're tied down really well. But uh, um, I remember that all the pregnant women got a call to come into the hospital because. Uh, the hurricane was coming and uh, you know, we had a few days notice, so it wasn't like it was just really short, short notice. Uh, there was a few days cause they were tracking it. But when the barometric pressure drops, uh, it induces labor in pregnant women. So they knew they were going to have a rash of babies right about that mm. time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they did and they did. Yeah. So was, I guess it's good protocol that they do that. And like uh, you said, uh, we, we moved back to Southern California uh, while I was uh, I had to go to um, Okinawa, Japan for a year unaccompanied without the family. So like you said, for most of your first year, um, first year, year and a few months, I was, uh, I was in Okinawa, Japan. Yeah. And like, okay, so just to touch on the deployment life a little bit, because you, you would have to um, leave every so often to go on different um, missions and, and sure. things. I don't know if you call them missions, but I just did. So, uh, and, um, and then mom, you know, was, was basically kind of, um, you know, taking care of us kids, like, you know, all by her herself. I mean, I, I know a lot of, uh, you know, spouses of the military, that's, you know what you're signing up for, you're doing it, all those things. But what do you think it is about mom that made her so great at uh, just kind of, you know, being able to handle all the things and with three, you know, kids that are quite a handful each on their own, like what, what uh, characteristics about mom do you think like really kind of made that like a success, you know, that made that well, possible. She's, she's, a, 
she's a great mom and she uh, was uh, great at taking care of her babies. Yeah. And, uh, and she still is today. So she's uh, very attentive to, to their needs and uh, she, you know, wants the best for them. And so she did a, a great job with the, the, the little bit she had at the time and of uh, helping raise you kids, uh, especially when, while I'm out uh, on, on deployments uh, or having to go away for a whole year, you know, as an example. So that's, uh, that's tough, uh, not only on, on a spouse, but on, on the kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. I, is, was there ever like a moment where mom was like, Oh my gosh, this is, I can't, this is so hard. Like, did you guys ever have conversations like that? Like I know technology is different today and people can talk almost all the time when someone's deployed or something. But back then I think we had scheduled like once every couple of weeks, we got to talk to our dad or something. Was there ever a time mom was like, please come home. These kids are crazy. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure there's times, uh, that we both were feeling that way, but you know, um, you know, you gotta, you're signed up for it and you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, so you suck it up, but you're right. Technology was a lot different. So you didn't have as many touches or as many, uh, opportunities to talk or, or even see each other. Right. Cause they didn't have zoom. They didn't have FaceTime. And they didn't have uh, cell phones like they do today, so it was uh, it, it it was uh, it felt like you were much further away than today's standards with with phones and and uh, the, the Zoom calls and and seeing each other face to face like we have now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so. So, like, as you progress through fatherhood, your kids are getting older, like. What would you say that you enjoy most about being a father? Like, what were the times, like, you're like, yeah, being a dad is awesome. Like, why did you ever feel that way? Or did you? Did you well, feel that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I always liked it when the kids got to be, you know, little toddler age and, and older. When they're brand new newborns and all, I felt a little awkward because I felt like, oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt the baby or I'm something. Gonna break but, them. <laughs> but I loved I loved playing when they were uh, playing with you kids when you were when you were young, uh, growing up, uh, and and just having fun. Um, and uh, so so that I think is is one thing I look back on. Um, what else? So it was always a joy seeing seeing you all grow up and you know because every year that that a kid grows up you know you notice there's so much so much more development and uh and they learn so much more you know and then they start school and and uh, watching that that uh that independence watching each of you become uh your own independent person uh, or own person is is really good in your own personality and noticing those different personalities and trying to nurture that and grow that and grow independence you know mm. in each and every one of you where it was it was okay to make some decisions or to to uh learn how to walk across the street as long as you you look both ways and and doing stuff you know at an early age where you know, to build confidence. And, and so it was, it was nice to see that kind of 
uh, starting that early, but watching that grow as you got older. What, uh, it, like in, in like one sentence, each of your kids, like what would you describe as like, be, you know, their own person, like who they were? Like if you could describe us in a sentence, like once we kind of develop past a point where you're like, all right, this is who this person is, like uh, Jess, ready, go. <laughs> well, Jess uh, was, was very smart. But she uh, she lacked uh, some uh, some confidence initially, and, and such. Uh, but she was real smart and and was very capable, and you knew she was going to be okay once her confidence level caught up to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg, he uh, he was we called him Little Tank. He was a little kid, and he you know he uh, he did okay in school, but it didn't seem to be his his forte. But you know he he seemed to to get through it and, and was doing okay. And he enjoyed uh, some of the sports uh, as he was growing up, but um, Jesse didn't quite excel in the sports. And then, uh, then came you and um, you always seemed to have the, uh, uh, the full package. You were smart, you were athletic, you had the confidence and it was like, okay, well, I guess it took us three kids to have, have it all on the third one. <laughs> so that, that's what went through our minds when the kids were young. But, you know, uh, we're proud of all three of you. You've done great uh, um, as you've grown up and you've come into your own. And, and uh, we're, we're so proud. Proud parents. That's cool. Yeah, that's I mean, it is fun. I, I guess I get a little taste of that. Uh, seeing, you know, my nieces and nephews grow into like their own person. And it's like, whoa, that's wild. What's this? You're an actual human. And it is really fun to see that progression and to see like what their, you know, kind of what their personality is starting to really take hold in, you know, and, and who, like what their, their really foundational qualities are, you know? So it is really fun. And that's the same way we felt when the three of you were, were little and growing up, you got to see personalities come out and become your own person. And now, like you said, we're seeing it with the 13 grandkids. We're seeing all those different personalities come out. And especially when they become toddlers and, and they start school, you're going, wow. You know, this is, a, like you said, a real person with, uh, with their own personality and their own, their own quirks and their, their own, you know, personality traits. Yeah. Very- you mentioned, like, nurturing that, like the independence and the um, – you know, the differences in us kids and, you know, and now of course your grandkids seeing the differences in them, how, like, in what ways do you think are, um, that you found were the best ways to like nurture that, to nurture each, each kid's independence and, or like their differences in personality or what have you? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, encouraging to try different things to, you know, when you hear somebody say, I can't, or I don't know how, well, you teach them how, and then you, then you watch them do it. And then they get better and better at it, or you have them do it over and over again. And they build confidence, you know, right before your eyes, you know, so it's, it's good to see that just, you know, okay, you don't understand that math problem. We're going to, we're going to do that a hundred different times, hundred different ways. And, and it's going to become like, Oh, that was easy. What, what was I talking about? You know? So, I mean, whether it was schoolwork or whether it was sports, we, uh, you know, I think you built confidence, all three of you, as, as you were growing up. And, and I do think, uh, you know, after, uh, 
uh, the first few years, you, you all started growing up as swim kids and uh, swimming competitions, and you, you all got very good at uh, at becoming swimmers. Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely a lot of my, competitions. My, a lot of meets, a lot of swim meets, a lot of a lot of hotels on the weekends. That was my whole life. So <laughs> I do, I do. Um, I do. I did love that part of my life. It was a great uh, building block for all sorts of things, like discipline and um, you name it. It was just a really. It was a really great way to develop as a human too. I think just to be in something and stick with it for as long as as you know you guys had us kids like stick with something which I think is important because sometimes I think when you leave it up to the kids who knows if they're gonna who knows if they'll stick right. with something you know no, you're right that stick to and then it's amazing to watch too at such a young age how disciplined and motivated and and persistent you are at working at something mm-hmm. you know if it's a certain swim stroke and here you are you might be 10 years old but you are working hard at it and your coach is really guiding you and, and teaching you and you and you guys are you guys are, you know, really uh, swimming it up because it, it was pretty amazing. And, you know, for everybody to know, you, you had a little nickname when you were a swimmer at age 10 and 11 years old. Huh, Baby Shark. Yeah, they called me Baby Shark. I was on the, I was on the, at the time, the Goldsboro Sharks. And I think I was eight when we first, when we first moved there. And uh, uh, so I joined the team fresh out from Mission Viejo was my first swim team I was on in Orange County. And then we moved to North Carolina and we joined the Goldsboro Sharks. And uh, I had already had a great foundation of swimming because I had been swimming since I was like four or something like on Swim America and then Mission Viejo or whatever. Anyway, so I was a quick little fish and they call me baby shark. I remember I had a bag like embroidered baby shark. It was really cool. And then now all these years later, like, you know, 20, 25 years later, there's a song called baby shark and <laughs> it's completely lost its meaning. <laughs> well, but, yeah, it's, you used to get on the swim blocks and, and you were just, a, you were, you were t- tenacious, you know, you get on there and you want to win and you'd look over to your left, look over to your right. And, and you know, that girl next to you, she, she would go, Mama, she's looking at me funny, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you're like serious, you know, and it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, um, that was like a tiger or something. But we call you Baby Shark because you swam so fast. And, you know, it was fun to watch through uh, the Junior Olympics when you were young and you progressed through that and, and did great. State champ. Yeah. As a kiddo, but definitely. Breaststroke, I think, was your best stroke, right? Yeah. Although you were pretty good in all of them. Yeah, breaststroke and the IM. I, I was lucky enough to have some really amazing coaches that, you know, they went to Olympic trials and they really, they kicked my butt, like trying to get my butterfly better and everything else. I mean, Marika, Monica, you know, the uh, the bars. Um, yeah, they were great. But also, equally as really cool uh, was that mom would drive us kids an hour and 15 minutes away when we had uh, to a new swim team when we had a you know swim team right next door to us but she would drive us an hour and 15 minutes away i remember 
uh, she had my elementary school agree to let me 15 minutes out early every day so that she could get us to swim practice on time. And I look back and I'm just like, I'm in awe because that's such commitment on, you know, I remember, oh, wow, I was so young and I was so committed to this discipline, yada, yada. But then I think, you know, to, to credit my parents and, and especially mom driving all that distance every day, I'm like, holy cow, just to give us a better opportunity at a better team. Um, it was really cool. Yeah. Your mom was, uh, definitely committed and, and she wanted the best for you kids. And, and like you said, um, and by the time you got home at night, I think you were all exhausted, you know, and, uh, finish your homework, uh, make sure you had dinner and, uh, you guys were in bed. So it, it was great growing up, I think as a kid, because, um, it kept you out of trouble, you yeah. know, instead of being a, 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 a street, uh, rat, you know, <laughs> you were, you were just way too busy and way too worn out, Yeah, you know, and, and your social life was your other swim friends. Yeah. So, and you would socialize uh, in between your your workouts as best you can, and then when you go to a meet, you know, you'd, you'd have fun with uh, the other swim kids, and it was a good way to grow up, and it was a healthy way to grow up, as opposed to uh, getting in trouble in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so so true. And you know, go, kind of going back to like you you talking about how you and mom like nurtured our independence and you know nurtured our curiosity and and helped us you know kind of continue to grow and show us how to do something when we didn't know how so that we can build confidence and all the things and then the commitment to like getting us to the the best swim team and all that fun stuff i mean it's it um it it gave us definitely a huge advantage in life, I would say, because not a lot of people get that. And it's not a given that you have such, you know, committed and, um, you know, uh, parents that really, truly like go the extra mile to ensure like you just have the best chance possible to grow into like a good human, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, no, thank you. Uh, but you know, I don't know if we did anything extraordinary. I mean, we're parents and, and, uh, and it did take a little extra work to, uh, you know, and commitment to get you to and from workouts seem like every day. Um, and you know, the time commitment there where a lot of parents probably couldn't do because of their job or because of their situation or just because it would just wear, it'd be way too much. Yeah. But, uh, I think it, it paid off for all three of you and it was, uh, and it definitely, I think, uh, was a launching pad for the three of you in, in feeling comfortable with yourselves and um, going after your, your future, uh, go, going after your, your future, uh, uh, you know, what you wanted to be in the, in the future or um, not being uh, af- afraid to venture out, uh, being confident in yourself to go after certain goals and such. So I, I really think it was uh, helpful in all those areas and more. Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. So we talked about what you enjoy most about being a father. What, so what was the hardest? So it's a little different. What was one of the hardest moments you had being a father and why was it so hard? What was one of the hardest moments of being a father? 
and you're still a father. So maybe it's now it's like, ah, these kids won't leave me alone. I'm they're old now and they still like come around. I don't know what, if, <laughs> like, I guess, I guess the, the question is like, when, like, what was a really hard moment that really kind of come sticks with you that you're like, gosh, that was so hard. But, and, and why was it hard and what did it, it teach you? And hopefully, you know, the child at, yeah. You know, looking back, I think the hardest moments or the most painful moments sometimes are uh, when one of your kids uh, gets hurt or whether they they break a bone or whether they they get hurt and you have to take them to the hospital for something. Uh, Those are tough because, you know, you just can't imagine uh, your your kids getting hurt to the point of, you know, you don't know how bad it is. You don't know how serious the injury is. But those are the times you, you think, oh, my goodness, you know, um, and, uh, and you really have to reflect a little bit and, and just uh, be thankful that you have your family. Because sometimes you take advantage of it when everybody's healthy and everybody's running around and doing yeah. fine. But when somebody does get hurt or, or has a serious type injury, you, uh, makes you makes you think. Yeah, both physically and and like life events emotionally and all that jazz. I can imagine. Sure. Um, I don't know. Like I guess you know. Yeah, I would imagine that would be the hardest thing. I don't know. I don't know. Um. So, Dad, all this wisdom that you've accumulated over the years. <laughs> What advice would you give to a girl dad with young girls right now? And keep in mind, you know, all the variables, but just speak from your heart too. Like when I say all the variables, I mean like it's a different day and age, you know, now we do have the internet. Like, I don't know, like anything that comes to mind, what is, what advice would you have given yourself when you were, you know, 20, late 20s? What if you could go back in time? What advice would you give yourself about uh, raising, um, raising you know, independent, strong young females? I think that uh, you want to raise your girls or raise your kids in general to feel like they don't have boundaries or limits. You know, maybe the historical uh, limitations you might think of, of what some women have had over over history. You want to kind of break those barriers and, and let let your daughters know that they can do and be anything they want to be when they grow up, and uh, that uh, it's it's uh, it's up to them uh, what they how they how they want to to live and and uh, and what they want to achieve in, in their life and and really it's the that drive that you know inside them that will will get them there. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. And I, I think it's a good, it's a, it's a great, um, differentiating moment when uh, speaking from, you know, experience growing up my whole life, hearing I can be and do anything I put my mind to and really truly believing in that and having that instilled in me, which I think, I, I think there's, I think it's a phenomenal way to, to, um, believe and, and to live right when you're a kid and, and to your point of like, um, you know, feeling like there's no boundaries and all these things. And then when you get spit out into the real world and you re- and you realize the real world doesn't necessarily think that way. 
um, whether it's you learn it subtly or quite explicitly or, or what have you, um, that's when... Uh, I don't know, you know, I can only speak from my own experience, but I, I kind of reacted very, I was very jarred by that. I was like, hmm, you can't tell me who I get to be. I'm, you know, I'm a, I could be and do anything I want. My mom and dad told me that, you know, sort of thing. So um, I remember, and I won't say the company's name, but when I was very young, uh, you know, fresh out of college, I was so ambitious. I just remember being like, oh, I want to I want to take over the world, you know, like that was kind of the mentality there. I mean, I still kind of feel like that. Let's be real. But <laughs> I want to take over the world. <laughs> and I was so lucky to have such a phenomenal job right out of college. And I'll never forget kind of like my first experience with or like, you know, yeah, I guess personal experience kind of working in this very uh, is like action sports world, very uh, male dominated, uh, you know, kind of industry, if you will. And, and quite explicitly hearing things like, oh, well, you're a young female. So let me handle the relationship with these humans over here because you're a young female. They'll probably listen to me more. Like hearing that from a, from, you know, my boss at the time. And I remember calling you and you and mom and just being so upset and irate. And I was like, I can't believe someone would say that to me. And that's awful. And yada, yada. Um, and I, I just, I guess I'm curious. Cause I mean, now it's been like, gosh, maybe 14 years ago, 15 years um, what went through your mind when y'all, like when I would call home and kind of lament about that sort of thing? Cause it was, it was kind of a constant ongoing thing for a good year or so, I think a couple of years, maybe. Sure. You know, I think, you know, like you said, when you hit the real world, sometimes it, it, uh, um, sometimes it slaps you in the face a little bit and, uh, it, it doesn't go exactly how you want it, but, but, you know, I think it's how you, it's how you react to that, how you manage that, and you just uh, stay, stay positive. You stay persistent, and you you keep going after your uh, your your goals as far as your career or what's your next step, what's your next move, as far as uh, you know, as you're working your way through life and through your different you know employment opportunities, and you you uh, again, I think from all experiences, you can take the good and build upon that and you can take the bad and you can make sure that you don't, uh, you don't, uh, go down that road, uh, yeah. yourself. So, you know, I think you've got to take the good with the bad and you just learn from those and, and you, you become stronger and stronger over time. That's so true. Ain't that the truth? So, so dad, a couple things. Uh, first of all, the question of the hour because this is this is important uh we are gritty girls right this is gritty girls all the people out there are listening so i want to know and so does everyone listening in what does grit mean to you what makes someone uh gritty yeah so i think being gritty uh, being a gritty girl is somebody who's um fiercely independent uh, who, who who's a go-getter uh, you know, going after their their goals and their dreams, and and being very persistent at it. So that that to me is being a, a gritty girl, and uh, I think that you fit that mold very well. 
uh okay so since you said it you said i fit that mold what um is there an example or a couple examples of of where you've seen my grit come through the most in life well well certainly i think in your employment you are you are such a hard worker and uh you uh you probably work twice as hard as as your your you know the the person working next to you um just to uh um, to do well and to show that, that you're the right person for the job and, and to, uh, I think also to let yourself know, you know, that, that you can do this, you know, with, with a lot of determination, hard work, uh, you know, and stick to itiveness. Yeah. Working, yeah. Working hard is definitely something I could learn to li- like maybe, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to explore a different way of approaching how much and how hard I work. Uh, that's clearly a joke. I, I am a hard worker, but I I would like to see uh, a little and more. I think that's normal too. As you get older, you you probably look for more uh, you know life work balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you're younger, it's it's pretty normal to to hit it hard and to kind of get established and to to really start making your mark. And to get your, not only your foot in the door, but to uh, to to get established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Would you? Um, so, and this kind of goes back to the the advice one. But why why do you think it's so important to raise uh, to raise um, a girl? And, and and you said it, and I thought this was very interesting. You said, well your children in general. So it's very clear to me, like you raised us all very much the same. It didn't matter if we were a boy or a girl or a naked squirrel, you y'all, you and mom raised us the same, which was, you know, you instilled a lot of, of, you know, work ethic and integrity and doing the right thing and all the things. Um, but which is awesome because it wasn't like, Oh, well you're, you're a girl. You, you and Jess should do this. And Greg, you're a boy. You should do this or whatever that was. Um, why do you think that it's important to, to raise, um, girls and kids in general, like you said, to, to be, you know, strong and independent, um, and not kind of parse that, that raising, of the, of the different, um, genders, so to speak, you know what I mean? Like, and not, Oh, well, yeah. Well, we just never thought of putting, uh, a gender into a certain mold and you have to be like this, you know, we just wanted you to be able to be independent, make some of your own decisions on, on uh, how you wanted to grow up and, and how you, what you wanted to be when you grew up and didn't want to put, you know, artificial, uh, uh, boundaries on that or, or a glass ceiling on that. And, you know, like you said, teaching, uh, uh, good values and, and as you're growing up, want, want you kids to make the right decisions, but, you know, to do the right thing in everything you do. And, and that, uh, you know, will help, help guide you in some of your decision-making as well. Nice. Yes. Very important. Um, awesome. Dad, well, I have, I have a little bit of lightning round questions for you. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> These are easy, though. Whatever comes to your mind the quickest, Uh-oh. just spit it out. It doesn't okay. matter. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Just, you know, there you go. 
All right. You know, I'm retired, so be easy on me. <laughs> um, are you ready? Okay, ready. <laughs> How would you like to be remembered? Oh, you know, I think uh, I like being Papa. I enjoy being a, a grandfather and, uh, you know, to the 13 grandkids. So I think being a, uh, a great Papa and, uh, and Dad in general um, and a good husband. Nice. All right, number two. Um, and I'll give a little context to this, but my dad is, I mean, I think everyone says this, or maybe they don't, but my, I think Dad, I think you are the king of, like, kind of corny dad one-liners. And or some of them weren't corny either. Some of them are, you know, quite inspiring, if you will. But what is your favorite dad one-liner? <laughs> of all of all the ones that you've said in our lifetime. You know, I don't know. But one that comes to mind when you guys were swimming when you were young is, uh, you know, we're here to, to chew bubble gum and, and kick butt. And, and we're all out of bubble gum. So just to kind of get you motivated, you know, play a little Rocky and uh, get you motivated before the, the swim meet. Yeah. And, and one of my favorite ones. Why? Is, do you remember one? Yeah. 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 One of my favorite ones is if you're going to be a bear, you might as well be a grizzly. Might as well. Might as well. Okay. Yeah. No this, pandas here. <laughs> no pandas. Aren't pandas aggressive? Are they a little aggressive though? Or? They're, they're strong, right? I don't know. Maybe I need to get that straight. Sure. I need to not, you know, pigeonhole a no, panda. But they, look, they, look pretty, they, they look pretty innocent, but I'm sure they're pretty aggressive. They can. Yeah. Okay. Pretty dangerous. This one, don't worry if you don't know the name of the song or the artist, but just kind of, even if you just know a line of it, that's great. Three songs that have really stuck with you in your lifetime. The first three to the first three that come to mind. Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not you crazy. I'm just a little because, unwell. That might be one that you. Oh yeah, yeah. Comes because, out of your mouth. You know, when you tell me when somebody tells me, you know, normally it's one of you kids or moms. Hey, you know, you're crazy. I go, I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. I know. <laughs> Uh, two other there's got to be two other okay what are uh, two other songs that just like ah yes that's like my song <laughs> uh poor me <laughs> that's a good one okay so poor me uh, that's a country song for everyone out there listening uh i actually don't know the rest of the words i just know that it's poor me <laughs> um what is one more oh uh, i don't know uh, we built this city. Yeah, see, there you go. It's a classic. Um, awesome. Are Baby you ready? Shark. Now it's, you know, that was years ago, but now it's like singing Baby Shark with the grandkids. <laughs> Baby Shark. That's impressive, Dad. You know. Right, you know or one of those Frozen songs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the kids do kind of, they're, you know, kind of take over the, all the content these days, which is fine. Totally fine. Yes, we do. Next question. How much do you love my boyfriend, Alex? How much do I love? (laughs) Well, I think he's, I think he's awesome guy. So I can't wait to, uh, uh, to get to know him a little better. 
And this one's easy. This last one's easy. Who's your favorite child? Well, of course you are, Jill, but don't tell your sis. <laughs> oh, and Greg's not even in the picture. <laughs> he didn't even make the, third. the semifinals. Okay, well, um, I, I know well, you love us. care if you tell him. <laughs> but but your sister would get upset. Yeah, that's no, that's a valid, <laughs> valid point. Valid point. Uh, very true. Well, Dad, lucky for for you and I, or unlucky for you and I. She uh, she's a, a supporter of Gritty Girls, and she'll be listening in. And uh, oh boy, oh thanks a lot. So you set me up. <laughs> you set me up. No, we we know you love us all equally as as y'all have said so absolutely uh, but uh (laughs) so dad i i thank you so much for taking some time and and going down a little memory lane with me and sharing with the people uh you know how being a girl dad uh being an exceptional girl dad is so important for for you know development and and um and for, you know, the progression of, of becoming a gritty girl yourself, if, if that's what you, um, if that's what you identify as, um, anyways, thanks dad. It's been great. I've had so much fun. If you could, okay. And in, in the, um, you know, the excitement of Father's Day and everyone's wishing their fathers a happy Father's Day. And of course, I'm wishing you a happy Father's Day. And I'm so grateful for you, Dad. Well, is thank there, you. Is there anything you'd like to leave the people with? Um, this is your Father's Day. What would you like to say to the people uh, out there in the interwebs? Hey, stay gritty, girl. And for all you uh, gritty girl, what do you say, uh, uh, girl dads? So I never really thought of myself as a girl dad growing up, but, uh, you know, let's help build the strong, strong girls and strong girls become strong women. Oh, I love it, dad. That's beautiful. Awesome. Well, thanks again. I love you so much. And I hope you have a a great day doing whatever retired people do. (laughs) Thanks, Julie. You take care. (laughs) Love you. Love you. I hope y'all enjoyed that somewhat self-indulgent interview slash conversation I just had with my father. I am so happy that I decided to do that interview in particular. Um, You know, I originally went into it wanting to kind of get to the core of the dad in my dad. And what I discovered towards the end and throughout our conversation is that I got to know the human uh, behind the dad, Kate. So, um, and it's incredible. I actually asked, um, you know, I I curated some thoughtful questions uh, for, for this conversation, and I actually didn't know the answer to a lot of them. So it was, it was quite insightful. Um, and really lovely and I encourage anyone and everyone to do the same Um, if you haven't sometimes you you think you know your parents um, but then you realize you know as you especially as you get older they're humans too with whole history and life and opinions and perspectives and it's just um, it's really nice so Happy Father's Day, everyone, and 
I'm Jillian Christie, and this is Gritty Girls. Thanks for listening.